So I want you, if you would, to turn with me Ezekiel chapter 12. We're going to read the first two verses here this morning. Ezekiel 12, verse 1. And the word of the Lord also came unto me, saying, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. These, the prophet Ezekiel is speaking, the Lord speaking to him. These men and women of Israel, the house of Israel, they had physical eyes, they had ears, but they, they couldn't see, and they couldn't hear. And it had to do not with a physical ailment or physical limitation, it had to do with rebellion. It had to do with rebellion. For they, they have eyes to see and see not, they have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. The Bible speaks of an evil heart of unbelief. There are those that turn their ears from the truth, don't desire to hear truth, and their eyes are blinded. Their eyes, they have closed and shut. Jesus says in the parable of the seed and the sower, he says they've closed their own eyes. They've hardened their own hearts. Their ears are dull of hearing. How many of you know, and I know that you know this, but God intends for his people to see, and he intends for his people to hear. He intends that. He purposes that for us. Jesus said this, Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not. Jesus said, Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Jesus speaking to his own disciples. The seeing and hearing has to do with an open heart, or a heart of faith, or a willing heart, or a contrite heart, or a humble heart. Versus a heart that is hard and hears but doesn't want to hear. Hears but does not want to hear. That heart is hard. Those eyes are shut. Those ears are become dull of hearing. God intends for his people to be able to clearly and see. But what does he, what does he want us to see and hear? He wants us to see and hear and discern and understand what is the Lord and what's not the Lord? What is God and what's not God? There, there's much that, that claims to be God that is not God. There are many things in, in the natural sense that we can't hear. The older I get, I've lost some hearing, okay? You got those little uh, alarms on your watch that beep and go off. Peter says, you don't hear that? And I said, no, I don't hear that. You know, the little dog whistles that, that people blow, most people don't hear that, okay? There are things that we, sounds that we can't hear, but there's something cannot hear. But God absolutely intends for his people to be able to see and hear him. See and hear and understand what is of God and what is not of God. What is uh, a true and what is false, what is a lie and what is true? Okay, we, we, God wants us to be able to know these things, to, to know these things and discern and understand. When Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau, because he had stolen the birthright, right, and Esau wanted to kill him. And so he leaves, and he's going to be gone for years. And then I think his first night out in the wilderness, uh, he's sleeping, and he takes a rock and makes it for a makes it his pillow, and he sets it up, and he's sleeping, and he has this dream, and there's this vision, and he sees a ladder that reached from earth to heaven, 
And he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on this ladder. And he says, oh, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Well, he came to know it. Amen. That's Bethel. That's the house of God that became known as Bethel. God wants us to know and discern and understand and see and hear him. And what's of God? What is light and what is darkness? I know that you, you know these things, but it's so important that we truly understand. Jesus said, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That is the first of 15 times that Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Most people were not deaf that he was speaking to. They had ears to hear. But did they have spiritual ears to hear and spiritual eyes to see? 15 times Jesus said, he that has, he speak a truth and say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He intends for us to hear. He said to all seven churches in the book of Revelation, all those churches in, in Asia, the ones he rebuked and the ones he did not rebuke, he said to all seven churches, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Take it, receive it, understand it. Let it go into your hearts. And so God wants us to see and know. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees, I'm reading from Matthew 16, you don't need to turn there, came and tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Like prove to us somehow that you're God. Show us a sign, do us a miracle. Well, he had already done countless miracles and they saw them. They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, okay? And they're still saying, show us a sign if you're really the Son of God. He answered and said unto them, when it's even, evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And so he's rebuking them for not discerning and understanding. Because all the law and the prophets and the, all prophesied of Christ, he fulfilled it perfectly. And he comes and they said, they don't believe. And they said, show us a sign. Everything about Jesus' life. And all the words that he spoke, all the way to his, de his death and resurrection. Everything testified that he was the one unique son of God, the Messiah that should come. He was him, and they said, show us a sign. He rebuked them. You can discern the weather. It's red sky when you wake up in the morning. He said, it's going to be bad weather today. They're right about that. You can discern the face of the sky. How is it you cannot discern the signs of the times? Y'all, we are living in, according to the Bible, we'll get to it eventually in our study in First and Second Timothy, but in Second Timothy, we're the Paul says we're living in perilous times. Perilous times, those mean dangerous, they mean fierce. Perilous means fierce. We're living in fierce times. And we just had, uh, just briefly talking to uh, Eric and Stacy about their trip, and they went to the Northeast, right over to Boston and into to New York area. And the worldliness, you know, we live here in the Bible Belt, and we see it, and it makes us sick, you know, to see society or things given over unto uh, darkness or given over unto uh, the spirit and system of the world but it's so much more prevalent in that part of the world we are to discern God wants us to discern and know the times in which we live okay 
He wants us to discern and know him. And our, our God that saved us, he knows the absolute necessity. This is not a luxury. Oh, well, you have a lot of a discernment, we might say to somebody, and perhaps they do, spiritual discernment. It's not a luxury, and it's not for a select few. It is necessary, and God knows it's necessary, that his people discern the times, discern what's of God and what's not of God, what is true and what is false. Because the false doesn't come and say, I'm false. The false comes and says, I'm true, believe me. And we need to discern, and we need to know. And the same God that knows the necessity that his people see and hear spiritually is the same God that graciously enables us to discern. So we don't have to panic and we just say, well, I, I, I missed that. I got tricked by that. I was deceived by that. We need to go to the Lord. Amen. He gives discernment. And then that discernment is something that you and I are to use and to exercise. In other words, we're given a gift of discernment at salvation. The Holy Spirit living inside of us uh, gives us discernment. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, the Bible says. But it also, we're also told that we are to grow in that. Just like we're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are to grow in our discernment. That is to become... Uh, a keener sense, a sharper sense of discernment, okay? It is an, a, a gifting from God, and, and we are, he, we're given it. Every believer is given it, and we are to grow in that and sharpen that, amen? Paul says that we're to exercise ourselves unto godliness. A lot of people in here do physical exercise, and it's great. Bodily exercise profits little. There is a profit to it. It's little, okay? But godliness is profitable for eternity, all right? Having a promise not only for this life, for the one to come. And he says we're to exercise ourselves, rather, unto godliness. That means to practice or train. We train ourselves unto godliness and in the Lord and the things of God. Amen? So I want to read uh, this scripture. Jesus says, and unto you that hear shall more be given. I know that you've read that verse before. That part of a verse, unto you that hear shall more be given. Again, there was crowds of crowds and multitudes of people that heard Jesus speak and preach and teach and watched him do miracles. They watched and they heard and they listened all day long. And yet they didn't walk in that. They didn't take hold of the truth that they were given. It's not just to go out and fall to the ground. The word of God is not to just go out into oblivion and fade away somewhere. It is to go into your ears and your eyes, okay? It is to go into our hearts, and it is to enter, to enter in deep. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means abundantly. The word of God is to dwell in us. Even this morning, that we are given much, I say it all the time, whether it's me or Ethan teaching Sunday school or whoever, we're given much truth. We're given a lot of truth, and it's a blessing. It's not a curse, okay? But we are responsible to lay hold on that truth and to let it dwell in us richly. And so he says, unto him that hears shall more be given. And so whatever amount of truth you 
have. You say, well, I'm not nearly as mature in the Lord as so-and-so or so-and-so or D.L. Moody or, you know, uh, these others. I'm not nearly as mature as Paul, and we're probably not. But if we would walk in the light of the truth that we're given, God will give more. If we will hear spiritually and lay hold on that. I'm just this little bit of, you know, this little light up here in the pulpit. If it was pitch black in here and I've turned it on, there'd be a little light right here. If I would make use of that, so to speak, God would give more. And he would give more. And I would walk in that. And we're actually growing in Christ and growing in the, our knowledge of Christ and in the things of God. Maybe not even really realizing that we are. But walk in the light that God has given you. And he'll give you more. Amen. He will give more spiritual understanding and more light. So I'm going to bring the question this morning for our purposes in this message. What is it that we need to see and hear? What is it that we need to distinguish? Oh, this is of God. This is not of God. One of the things for sure is, is the fact that we are living in a day. If, if you were to say, the Bible was to say, and it does say, what is the number one characteristic and I'm talking spiritually, okay, not climate or something like that, or world population. Spiritually, what is the characteristic, the number one characteristic that defines the age of the last days before the return of Christ? Deception, right? Lord, when are these things going to happen and, and so forth? And they're asking about end times events, and he, he answered some things about his return and so forth. And he says, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name. And many are going to, over and over he says, there's a deception. And they're going to say, no, Christ is out in a desert place. No, he's in an inner chamber over here. The Lord's come back here. Let me. And, and there's all this deception going on. He says, take heed that no man deceive you. There's going to be a lot, there's a lot that comes and claims to be Christ. And may look on the out, outward appearance like Christ and good and moral and so forth. There's a lot that it comes in pulpits and churches and books and Christian bookstores and movies and so forth. That claims to be Christ that is not. We need to understand and know. I just want to read this. If you're taking notes, it's 2 Peter 2, 1 and 3. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Where are the false teachers going to be? Where did he just say? The false teachers are going to be among you. Now, this is not to make us uh, paranoid. This is not to make us looking over our shoulders. Uh, I wonder if Damien is a false teacher. I wonder if Chris is and Gary. I wonder if they're, I don't think that's at all what, what's intended uh, by this. He's saying it as a fact. There's going to rise up within groups of believers those that are false, just in, in general. Paul said the same thing when he was the last trip to Ephesus and said, there are going to be wolves that rise up out of you right here, not sparing the flock, okay? And he says uh, they're going to bring in damnable heresies. So it's not some light little thing. Well, they believe a little different than me. These are serious, damnable heresies. 
It's a false belief, it's a deception, and it's serious. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words or hypocritical or fake words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. This almost, almost word for word parallels what Jude says. I'm just going to read a little from Jude. These are spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you. So these are people that are within, okay? They're not within the body of Christ, his body, born again. They're within the believers, and they're comfortable there. And people are comfortable with them, and they're familiar there. There are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about with winds, of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So we see that there are these. Uh, this is one of the things that God would absolutely intend for his people to discern and know. It is not just for the pastor. Yes, the pastor has that responsibility to guard the flock. A pastor is a shepherd, and the pastor has that responsibility. And I would say it's the greatest responsibility. But that does not absolve every believer from having their own responsibility to know the Lord, to know the things of God, to know the Word of God, and to walk in it. Amen? To walk in the truth. We have been given eyes to see and ears to hear. So we are to discern. How do we know and how do we discern if they come in in the midst and we know them and they look harmless on the outside perhaps? Okay, how are we to know to discern their false teachings and the false teachers and the half-truths? The half-truths are the worst of all. The half-truths. The first, I've even heard it from a pulpit where the first half of a sentence is true, and you're saying amen, and by the time you get to the end of that sentence, there's an oh me. It's not, it's not of God. We have to be discerning. We have to know. Those are half-truths. How do we discern and know? Because they're very clever. The false teachers, this is not some new thing that's just popped up. It's just more prevalent in our day, okay? They're clever. They're tricky. They're persuasive. They are seductive. They appear true. They seem genuine. They seem sympathetic. They seem sincere. They seem spiritual and knowledgeable. And yet the Lord says he's given us that discernment. You have ears to hear. I want you to hear. Eyes to see. I want you to see. I've given you discernment. Discern it. Okay. He rebuked the, the, the Pharisees for not discerning the spiritual times in which they lived. And so the, 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 to me the key is very simple it is to know the Lord. The Lord says, you know me. You wouldn't be born again if we didn't know the Lord. But he says, I want you to come to know me more. Take my yoke and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? I'm meek and lowly in heart. Take my yoke and learn of me. He says, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they do what? They follow. The voice of a stranger will they not follow. Because it's a stranger. They know not the voice of strangers. They don't know, know it. They know it's false. They don't know that, that strange voice, and they sure don't want to follow it. So the Lord says, first of all, you know me. Come to know me more. Second of all, and this goes in conjunction with knowing Christ, he expects us to study his word and keep it. 
Study his word and keep it. Let it dwell in you, as I said, and the scriptures say, abundantly or richly. Don't entertain a false prophet or the devil or a half-truth. Don't entertain that. This is where we get into a lot of trouble. People that really love the Lord can, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ignorance, and or whatever, whatever the reason is, the Bible says don't give place to the devil. I would say don't make room for, don't give provision to the enemy. Don't make a place for what's false and a lie and what's the devil and a half-truth. There is soulish worship. There is uh, soulish and false preaching. Uh, there's all types of things that are not of the Lord. I'll give you one for an example. Sometimes we hear, and, and I, I didn't invent this. I mean, I've come to know it myself, and then I hear it. I've heard it from other people as well. Be careful when a, somebody in a pulpit or a Christian author or muse, Christian music, whatever's in the heading of Christianity, comes to, to present something, they use unbiblical words. I'm not saying you have to just stick to King James. I'm talking about people using words that are not really uh, to do with spiritual things. I'll give you an example. Unbiblical words can just be a signal. <laughs> Something's going on here that's off. Okay? Something's going on here. Uh, the atmosphere. How often have you come to the church and we say, we, we, need, to, we need to develop here and instill or pray for an atmosphere of worship or something like that. You don't read that in the Bible. We just have to be careful. They may make your something harmless by it. They may not. But if they're intentionally using words that are unbiblical to make your ears prick up and think they're, they're giving you something that's new and exciting, and you have to come check out this atmosphere, and let's develop an atmosphere. Have you heard spiritual formation? Spiritual formation. I know I drive by the uh, St. John Vianney, the Catholic church up here on the corner. O'Neill Lane and South Terrell's Ferry, big Catholic church, and on their marquee. Spiritual formation, come to this special class. I don't know necessarily what, what they mean by it. There, there is a heresy out there of spiritual formation. These little buzzwords and codes words we do need to be aware of. I'm not saying we're scared of our own shadow, okay? I'm saying that we need to discern. That's not a biblical word. You're not going to read atmosphere in the Bible, an atmosphere of praise or whatever. Uh, you're not going to read spiritual formation. You're going to read spiritual growth, you know, and maturity and things like that. How about this? Uh, spiritual attraction. Spiritual attraction. What spirit, by your own mood, outlook, what spirits are you attracting to yourself or dispelling from yourself? I don't read that in the Bible. I don't see that. I see come unto me all that labor and heavy laden. We come to Christ and we give our lives to Christ and we walk with the Lord and we're keeping our eyes on Jesus and we take up our cross and follow him. And he says, and where I am, there will my servant be also and with the Lord. But I don't have, I don't have to attract Jesus. I don't have to attract Jesus by the way I act, behave, think. He already loves me. He is my God. And if I've sinned, I go to him for forgiveness and repent. 
okay? If I'm estranged from him because I've taken my eyes off the Lord and walked off into the world, I repent and I come back. But I don't attract him to me. Like, make, like, a, like a, a lady is trying to make herself pretty to attract a man. Okay, you understand? We don't do that. We come before the Lord and we call upon him. We come through the blood of Christ. We come, he's our advocate and our high priest. I'm just simply saying we, these are not biblical words. And, and, and they can be mixed in with a lot of scripture and things that you say, amen. That's the story of, you know, they use an illustration from Esther. Or they use an illustration from Daniel and the lion's den. And they mix it in with this other stuff that's not biblical. We just need to be very careful, y'all. Christian psychology well, I got a good friend that's a Christian counselor and a Christian psychologist. I'm not talking about your, your friend necessarily. I'm saying in general, Christian and psychology don't go together. Psychology is a secular science. It's not even a real science, I wouldn't say. It is secular in its origin and nature, the root and all that comes out of it. It's secular. It's worldly. It's worldly wisdom. It's something that's relatively new, okay? And to say a Christian psychology, I know that there are those people. I'm simply saying it's not biblical. I'm not talking about your friend that's a Christian psychologist, that he's not a good person, or not even that he or she's not saved. I'm not doing that. I'm saying that is not biblical, Christian and psychology. Our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is from the word of God. He didn't leave anything out that we need to know. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through our knowledge of him. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, liberal, unbiblical theology and teaching and books. The Chosen series, the TV series. It's, it, it's, it's Mormons. The, the producers and writers are Mormons. It's, it's not of God. I don't care what people say. I've heard people say, well, it helped me know Jesus in a more personal way. No, it didn't. It did not. That's not Jesus. That's an actor portraying Jesus. They're not biblical scenes. That is what somebody put out there, and people are going, yeah, yeah, look, Jesus is dancing over here and, and G in this show, and I really like this one because Jesus told a joke, and, and it helps me to know Jesus in a more personal way. No, it does not. It does not help you know Jesus in a more personal way. This is what he's given us to know him. And the Holy Ghost he's given us to know him. I'm not bashing people. I'm simply saying we have to have discernment. Just because it says Jesus, here's Jesus walking along in the chosen series with his disciples. And I think it was Thomas. Now, I have not watched it. But I've read probably 15 articles on it. Okay. The producers and the the owners of the program and everything are Mormon. That's a different Jesus, first of all. Second of all, uh, it gives unbiblical things that are invented, and it presents it as being, this is Christ. Anything that we add to Christ, what he looked like, more than what we have in the scriptures, you understand? Anything that we add to Jesus or take away is not going to be of the Lord. It's not going to help you come to know this son of God more. So it's, it's know that, but Satan's clever, right? It's a Christian show. It's very popular, by the way. I know that you know that. You may have seen it. I'm not bashing you for watching. I'm saying don't watch it. 
Don't watch it. It's not going to draw you closer to the Lord. Step away from that. Walk away from that. And, uh, but there's one scene, and again, I didn't watch a show where they're at a wedding. Jesus with his disciples. And I think it's Thomas or one of them. Uh, he wanted to get up and dance because there was dancing at the wedding. Okay, you know, Jewish kind of dancing. And he says, Lord, can you show me, teach me how to dance? This is in the show. Okay. And Jesus says, there's some things even the Son of Man can't do. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Just, and they laugh. They have a good little laugh about it. But my point is, there are things like that and that abound in our day. Unbiblical, unscriptural. Don't give the false teachers and their books and so forth the benefit of the doubt. Your child comes to you and they got in trouble at school and they want to explain their side of the story, I would give my child the benefit of the doubt until I found out all the facts, okay? Don't for one second give the benefit of the doubt to something that you know is false. You already know it's false. If there's something that you already know is false, when the Holy, the Holy Ghost has, has given you that discernment, it's unbiblical, the Bible says that we are to mark them and avoid them. Anything contrary to what? Sound doctrine. They're divisive. No matter what they say and partial truths and so forth, we are to mark them and avoid them. Let's say hate them. We put them in God's hands and let him deal with them and pray for them. But I sure am not going to sit under that. I'm not buying tickets to their Christian concert, okay? I'm not buying their books in the Christian bookstore. I'm not going to sit under that teaching. I already know it's false. The Lord showed me it's false. So I don't, I'm staying away from it. Don't give the benefit of the doubt. Amen? Paul, Paul talks about this. He says, um, that he says, to whom we gave place, talk about the Judaizers, to whom we gave place uh, by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He said, they were false. We didn't give place to them for an hour. We didn't entertain those Judaizers for one minute. Well, wait, you're being so closed-minded. Listen to what I have to say. Be closed-minded when it comes to the things of God. Your responsibility is not to soak up every seducing spirit and doctrine of devil that's out there. Soak up Christ in the word of God and walk in it. Amen. And walk in him. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Talking about spiritual ears and spiritual eyes and discernment that God gives us. And he expects us to use it and grow in it. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, believe not every spirit. How many of you know there are other spirits? I know this. There's the spirit of man. 1 Corinthians talks about you know, the, what, know, what man knoweth the things of man but the spirit of man that's in him. We have a spirit, individual people. There's the spirit of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, the eternal spirit. And then there are spirits, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. There are, there are demonic spirits and things of the enemy. That would go along with the spirit of this world and the spirit of the God of this world. And so uh, he says, don't believe every spirit. How about that? We are to be skeptical 
in, in that sense. Don't believe every spirit, but try. That means test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It's just a fact. This was 2,000 years ago, okay? Many false prophets are out there. Don't believe everything you hear just because they use the name Jesus or Christ or God or salvation. Don't believe everything that you hear. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is, the second one, the one that's not of God, this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children. So he's writing to born-again believers, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, we go on with that, with that whole passage. But when this is something that needs to be looked at when he says, how do we know? Hereby, verse 2, we know the spirit of God. Now he's going to give an, a, here, how's how we know? Here's how we know. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Well, what if a false teacher comes and says, I believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh. It's not just saying the words. The word confess here does not mean I'll beat a confession out of you. You know, even if it's not true, you just say what I want you to say. That's not what this word means to every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the fleshes of God. Confess here means to agree with, to agree with. So every spirit that does not confess or agree with the fact that, and every word is important, Jesus Christ is, is come in the flesh, is, a, is not of God, okay? There's an agreement that we have to agree with. That's like when it says, confess your sins, right? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't just be, okay, I sinned, and we go on, get off my back, God, you know, for, I sinned, all right? You have to forgive me. He wants us to agree with him. No, I have sinned. I have sinned against God, like the prodigal son, right? Father, I've sinned against you and against God. I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. Just make me one of your hired servants, and I'll be happy. He says, enough of that. We're having a feast. You're, you're my son. You were gone to your back. But it's confessing. It's an agreement with God. And so how do we know? We know, again, by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and we know by the word of God which is living and is God-breathed. Every, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right? It's His living Word, and He has given it to us so that we would hear and we would know. Jesus said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. He's putting all of it, the weight, upon believing or not believing on His Word. If somebody's not going to hear what God has said in the Old Testament and New Testament in the gospel, then, then there's nothing that's going to persuade them. But we have what we need from the word of God, amen, to teach us and to show us. 
to lead us and to guide us, amen, into all truth. So he has not left us shorthanded. There was a woman, Jesus was preaching, and there was a woman that cried out with a loud voice in the midst of all the people, blessed is the womb that bare you and the paps that thou hast sucked. And Jesus just kind of cut her off and said, no, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are they that hear God's word and do it and keep it and walk in it. Amen. God's word reveals to us what is light and what is darkness. Rightly by the Holy Spirit. Not your take on the scripture or my take on the scripture. Or how, how does this, this is a lot of what's in popular Christianity. How, how does this scripture speak to you? What is your take on this scripture? How do you feel about this scripture? What do you mean, how do I feel about it? Jesus said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And no matter how I feel about it, right? Or how today I feel excited about it, and I had a bad day, you know, by the afternoon, and I don't feel so hot about it. It doesn't matter how I feel about it, but that's what's put out there. How do you feel about this scripture? How do you feel about, uh, the, you know, whatever the Bible's saying that we're all sinners? How does that make you feel? Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It matters that we hear it, see the Lord, come to know Christ, come to know him more through the word of God. Amen. And he leads us and he guides us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I know that you've heard this, but if it was pitch black, and you're out in the middle of the woods and you have a flashlight and you shine it or lantern, it's lighting up right here in this little area, showing you the next couple of steps that you don't fall into a river or something like that. You're running to a tree, right? It's lighting up this little area. God's word is that. It's for the immediate. It's for the now. It's for the next step I'm going to take, next breath I'm going to breathe. God's word gives me what I need to know here. But it's also a light unto my path that shows you're going to heaven. You know what I mean? It shows way down the road. This is where you're going. This is what we're going to walk through. This is how I'm going to carry you through. There's your destination. That's where you're going. It's a lamp to my feet right here and now and day by day. And it's a light unto my path to show me where I'm going. It gives me discernment. And I want you to turn with me uh, in your Bibles. We'll read one more scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hebrews 5, we're going to read 11 through the end of the chapter. Now he's speaking, Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. It does not really our point here. But uh, he's speaking about Christ and him, him being our high priest. So when he says, of whom, he's speaking about our high priest, Jesus. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age or full maturity, even those who by reason of use 
have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I wanted to read that passage there, especially that last verse. Paul is speaking to believers. He's not sharing the gospel with lost people. He's talking to people in the church, uh, Hebrew Christians specifically. But he says, I've got, there's a lot of things that we need to teach you and want to teach you to go on deeper in Christ. Okay, but we can't share them with you right now because your ears are dull of hearing. Speaking of believers, that simply means that slothful. I looked at that word dull of hearing. They're slothful. And so we are responsibility. God gives the gift of discernment, okay? But he expects us to walk in that and use it. We don't put our discernment on the shelf like some winter clothes in the summertime. And when it gets cold again, we'll pull them out. We use our discernment. We exercise our discernment. We are to do that. And it, he has given it to us to be used. And like any gift or even a physical thing, and I'm just using this for an, an example, if someone is hurt and they're in the hospital for two months and are not able to use their, their arm or get up to walk around the room because of their sicknesses, you know, after two months are over and they, they're better and well and sickness is over, they're going to find it hard to walk. They're going to find it hard to lift their arm or to, to, to lift five pounds or whatever because they have, those muscles have atrophied by lack of use. It happens, okay? And they can be retrained. But the point is, for our discernment, it's a gift from God. It is spiritual discernment that we did not have before we were Christians, and now we do have. But he wants us to sharpen that and make it stronger by reason of use. We ought not be... 10 years into our walk with Christ, 20 years into our walk with Christ, and still be on baby food. The baby food's nice. It's still a submission. It's still there. But we ought to be having some, you know, steak or some meat uh, that we're growing in the Lord and not having to be retaught the same things. Remember now, if you sin, God will forgive you. Well, we know those things. So I, I, remember, you need to pray. Yeah, we're reminded of those things, but, but we need to grow in that and move on. And so I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close, but uh, we're not to neglect the gift that we're giving, given. It's, it's your responsibility and my responsibility to exercise the discernment, the seeing eyes spiritually and the hearing ears spiritually. It is your responsibility and mine to actually use that. And where I have seen people, Christians that I love, that are true Christians get into trouble is that they put it aside. They take the discernment that's given to them and they set it over here because they like this. They like the person. They like the church. They like the people. They like the music. They like the atmosphere. They like all their friends there. They like something about this. They know God has warned them and shown them this is not of, of me. And they've taken that discernment and they put it over here to the side and they've stepped on into it. Some step this far and then they, they come out. Some take two or three steps, some go all the way. I don't know. It's up to them and the Lord, up to them really where they end up. I want to I bring this back. We're talking about the Word of God and how the Word of God gives us discernment, right? The Bible. Know your Bibles, okay? Know your Bibles. But I would say this, don't make excuses for not exercising this gift. We make excuses when God doesn't want us to make excuses. If you're not exercising your discernment and say, well, I'm really too busy to study the Bible. God gives you enough time in the day 
It gives me enough time in the day to have my own prayer time, my own walk with the Lord. However busy we are, he gives you the 24 hours. What you do with it is up, you know, is, is, is the key, how you spend it. But you have to spend time in God's word, and there's not a substitute for it. I'll give another excuse. This, these don't hold water, by the way, with the Lord. Well, you, somebody might say, well, you know, I do listen to that preacher, that teacher, and I, I've been warned not to listen to them by godly people that I respect. I read their books. I know they believe differently about some things, and I've been warned not to follow them, but well, anything that follows that but is going to be, uh, is going to be an excuse. It's going to be dangerous for the individual. I know I've been warned not to listen to this music, to uh, follow this preacher, to read this uh, Christian author, and so forth, but I like them. I personally get a lot out of their books. And this would be another excuse, and it's false. I know enough, and I'm strong enough in the Lord to, to kind of pick out the good stuff from the book and swallow the good, and I'll spit out what's not of God. It's a mistake, a serious mistake. You're playing with fire. You will get burned. It's not a light matter. It's not just your preference or my preference or my flavor of Christianity or how I serve the Lord. If God has shown you from the word of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of you that this is not of God, don't do it, period. Don't entertain it and don't make excuses for, for participating in it. I don't want to seem harsh and narrow-minded or closed-minded. And besides, a lot of my a lot of other fine Christian friends of mine listen to this and listen to that pastor and, you know, read these books. I'm not going to get in an argument with you about whether they're fine Christians or not, but I will say this, God warns us not to. When you're setting yourself up for a fall, there's not one single good thing that can come from it. Zero. Oh, but I get so much out of their books. It's like the Chosen series. I get so much, it makes me know Jesus in a more personal way. It does not. They're excuses. It's a cover-up for my own disobedience to the Lord. It's a cover-up for what is clearly taught in the Scriptures. It's soulish. It's foolish. It's immature. It's disobedient to our Lord. It's prideful, and we need to repent of it. God will forgive us, but don't play around with it for your sake, for your family's sake, for your church's sake, for Christ's sake. Don't play around with it and fool with it. Run to the Lord. He's going to forgive us. The word discern, and I'm closing with this, the word discern, when he says that have our exercises, to dis our senses exercised in Hebrews to discern both good and evil. Discern means to distinguish, to judge, to discriminate. Not in a bad way. I don't like the way you look kind of thing. To judge or distinguish about what's of God and what's not of God. What is light, what is darkness, what is true, what is false. We have to be able to distinguish that. We have to. God expects us to. Amen? D, you can come on up. Y'all stand with me. Y'all, I'm not, uh, you know, some people say, well, you just stick to the Bible. You're putting God in a box and you're limiting God and you're, no, I'm, I'm, it's safe. It's 
godly. It's of the Lord. I'm not putting God in a box. He has put himself in his word. Amen? He wants us to know him from his word and to walk in that. And he expects us to trust him. He called the multitude, Jesus said, and said unto them, hear and understand. And so, God, there's a blessing. It's not, it's not restrictive to me in the sense to stay on the straight and narrow, to, stray in, to stay in sound doctrine or to avoid this or that. It is life and it's light. It's for your benefit. That's a blessed life. God's not trying to rob you of joy and wonderful experiences in life. He's trying to keep you and get you all the way to heaven with the full reward. He's not trying to limit your, your life. He wants you to walk with him. Amen? To walk with him. It's a means of protection and safety. For this cause came I, Jesus said into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know Christ, you're going to know his voice. You know his voice, you're going to come to know him more. He's going to keep you and protect you. Don't ignore when he speaks to you. Don't just brush that off. It's Almighty God speaking to you for your safety and for your good. Amen. To walk with him. These altars are open. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And the altars are open for you just to come and meet with the Lord. Maybe you've participated, listened to, entertained things that are half-truth, not totally of God where the Lord's warned you, and you come and ask God to forgive you of that and to strengthen your discernment. Maybe you just say, I want to be stronger. I want to be stronger in my discernment. I don't want to be a babe that just takes milk. I want to be able to take strong meat and live by it. 